So last week, I kicked off talking to you about growth. Now, when we look at that growth event, September 21st, I just, I'm, it just breaks my heart when I see people not in this. this the last event was just a life, clarity was a life changing event. And we can't go back and recreate it. I mean, there's people that need help and you try to help. You say, were you at that event? Well, no. And there was 90 some folks at it. We just had it just for our church. And, and, uh, I just want you to realize it's so critical. The three key things that we're going to be hitting this year. I mean, in this growth event is first of all is energy. And what I want you to realize is you need energy. You need momentum. You need energy in your prayer life and your walk with God. You need energy in your relationships. You need energy. You need the spirit of God. You, you need energy in your career, in your business, in your ministry. Whatever, in, in every area, you need energy. Now, the uh, one of the Greek words for energy is energe, and also energo. And energe and energo basically are authority words, but they're energy authority words, where you can release the authority, the dunamis power of God, and you can release energeo, which is the authority of God, over every situation in your life. And what happens, we're going to be able to help stir up in you the confidence and the faith to release the energy of God in every area of your life. The second thing it will do is we're going to address your limiting beliefs. I have limiting beliefs. If I didn't, I'd be with God. The only thing keeping me here right now is my limited belief. Enoch is the only one that didn't have limited belief, and he got so close. Everybody said, well, the Bible said he got so close to God, he was and he was not. He went to be, God just took him. You know why he just took him, Michael? I, I was thinking about that and meditating. It's like, you know, we say, well, if you get close to somebody, that means if you're chummy, if you're a buddy, if you're, you know, you know their problems and they know yours. And No, that's not what it's about. It's about removing all barriers. And Enoch had gotten to a place in his life that he had removed all limiting belief of where he was in this earth and had such a clarity and a clear vision of God and understanding of the kingdom, God needed him. Just took him with him. Never experienced death. He was, he was not. So every one of us have limiting beliefs. And so what I want you to understand is that's the key to growing. That's why if you're not growing, you're right. And where your focus goes, you're right. Your emotional energy, your spiritual energy, your physical energy, everything flows wherever you're looking at. If you're, if you're sitting over here looking down and man, you're just thinking about that, that meeting you dread next week at work, or you're just sitting here thinking about, man, I don't know if my marriage is going to make it or not, or I'm worried about my kids or worried about my finances, or will I ever be able to do the ministry God called me to? Where's your energy going to be? Emotions is the gift God gave us and emotions is energy. And if you notice, if you focus on positive things, what happens? Your energy's up, right? If you focus on negative things, well, your energy's down. So we're going to teach you how to remove the limiting beliefs off your life, not just the ones you have now, but give you a process to do it so that when you get these limited beliefs broken off your life, it's instantly going to bring energy. Why do I need energy and why do I need limiting belief broken off my life? Because faith is knowing and trusting God. And if I, I can't, if I don't, if my belief in God is limited, that means I know him less than someone who's less limited than me, right? And then what does that do? Those two things together produce freedom. Everybody say freedom. Freedom in your mind, freedom in your heart, freedom in your relationships, freedom in your calling, freedom in your ministry, freedom in your business, your career, your health freedom. And that's the key. So you want to text this number if you like to get signed up. There's a $25 early bird. The reason I took a couple extra minutes, it's a $40 event, which we provide your lunch and some other supplies to you and uh, other things. But when you get here, because you'll just be here the whole time. And then, but if you get in, I think it's to the end of August. So I don't know, you got this week and I don't know if you got another week or not. So you need to get in. If you want to save money, you need to get registered. You can text everybody, text growth to 859-446-7684. And you can also uh, go online, one of our Facebook pages or something will have it. And then you can, I think in a four-year, you can sign up. Everybody say, thank you, Pastor. Thank you, Pastor. Because I love you that much. I don't want you to miss it. Okay, now, so I talked to you last week about growth, about, about releasing the force of faith in your life. Faith is a form of energy. Faith 
is not just a principle. Faith is a law, like gravity is a law. What goes up will come down, right? And faith is the same way. Faith is a force. And we know that Hebrews 11.1, 1, now faith is the what? Substance of things hoped for. Now faith is the healing. Now faith is the substance of the healing hoped for. Now faith is the substance of the financial breakthrough hoped for. Now faith is the substance of the career hoped for. Now faith is a substance of the marriage hoped for. Now faith is a substance of things hope. Whoop, stop with hope, right? Help us, right? What's that mean? Anybody know what hope means? Can you shout it out on the count of three? Surely we know. One, two, three. Right. So now faith is the substance of things I'm confidently expected of. So whatever I have confident expectancy in, now faith is a substance of things that I confidently expect, right? Now faith is a substance of things hoped for. Now faith is a substance of things I confidently expect. The evidence, see, evidence is a strong word, isn't it? Evidence means that, that you have proof. Wait a minute. Evidence, what? Of things not seen? Isn't that the craziest thing you ever heard, sister? Give me five on that. I love that. Somebody help me preach today. Praise God. You need to just take that seat. That's your seat right there. Isn't that crazy, the paradox of God? Isn't that wild? Evidence of what? Things not seen. Talking about your senses, things you don't see, hear, smell, taste, feel. Faith is a substance of things you confidently expect. It's the evidence of the things you don't see. So if we're going to operate in the force of faith, we got to understand that. Now, if I'm going to have confidence to receive, I got to know what I'm receiving, right? I told you last week, pray for an outcome you're believing for. If you, if you're, if you're sitting here praying for something, like I use the illustration with, 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 uh, I believe it's Isaiah. I use the illustration. Uh, no, Elijah was, and, and about like, come on, you're praying for money. Come up here. Say, here's your dollar bill. Oh, Lord, I'm just praying for a financial increase. I need a breakthrough. God, I need a financial miracle. I need a miracle. Oh, help me, Jesus. Okay, Lord, what'd you get? Got a dollar bill. You just wanted more. You wanted a breakthrough. You got a dollar breakthrough. So you need to be specific about the amount you're believing for. You need to be specific about how you want a relationship to be. You need to be, not that you're controlling it, you're releasing your faith to shape what is not. Yeah, but you don't know who I'm married to. Well, maybe you don't know who you are. That might be the issue. But anyway, it takes two, right? To tangle is what my mama said. So so what is it? You, you've got to begin to shape, shape yourself in your own heart, your own mind, and get into alignment with God. And guess what? Then you can influence the other relationships in your life to where it becomes what you want it to be, not to manipulate it or to control it. And the very fact you can't see it is the evidence or the proof you can have it if you can have confident expectation, the evidence to access your faith. Whew, man, Dude, that, that's amazing. Remember I talked to you a couple weeks ago about wrap, it's wrapped in with the Holy Spirit, right? Your confident expectation wrapped in with the Holy Spirit releases a force of faith that can move mountains. Jesus said, he said, Master, how can we do that? You just cursed that fig tree yesterday and it's dead, it's gone. Master, how can we do that? He said, if you only believe in your heart and not doubt, the word doubt, diconia in the Greek language means to separate from oneself. Who did you set? Who were they doubting? They were moving from being spirit in the image and likeness of God, doubting, separating from the spirit, the king, and the the king of who they are in God, because he says you're a kingdom of priests, right? Kings and priests. Move from a kingdom spirit nature back to your inadequate natural nature. He said, it says in James 1, a man that wavers is like a ship on a sea. He'll receive nothing he asks for. So if I'm doubting, that means what I see is more real to me than what I don't see. So it's up to you and I to determine the outcome of what do I want to see in my with my children? What do I want to see in my family? What do I want to see in my finances? What do I want to see in my calling? What do I want to see in my community, in my nation, in the world? What, what difference can I make? How can I align with God's plan? In other words, what is it? That's outcomes. 
And as you set those outcomes, they begin. What's happening inside you is greater than what's happening to you. How do you know that? How do you know that, preacher? Because the Bible says, greater is he who is in me than he who is in this world. But you know what's sad? Go over here to my preaching partner. You know what's sad? When we doubt, greater is he who is in me than he who is in this world. Doubt means I separate from the one that's greater than the world, and I move over into my inadequacies, and I line up with what the world says about me. They may be facts, but they're not the truth. See, you can get facts. You can get a bad report from a doctor. You can get the facts of what your bank account is right now. You can get facts of what your marriage is like or your kids are like right now. But the way you transform that is to know the truth. And the truth will... See, we just say those. Know the truth, brother, and the truth will set you free. Well, what is the truth? Right. Christ and the hope of glory. So Jesus said... If you will not doubt in your heart, your spirit, you can speak to that mountain and command it to be removed. And he didn't say it just fall down. I don't know exactly how far they were from the sea. He said it would be cast. When you're casting, take the mountain and cast it into the sea. You know, preachers say, well, you know, that's talking about today when we got bulldozers and dynamite and my God, dude, are you even going to go to heaven? I hope you make it. Hope you had enough faith to access grace. Because you can't be saved without grace, and you can't have grace without faith. He said, I don't know, Gertrude, if we should have moved up here or not. He's pretty wound up today. So, so what I'm doing is setting you up because We've been talking about all this for months now, and I want you to get in your heart. How do I make this work for me? So I talked to you about this fight that you got to have because it's you're in a spiritual warfare, right? And if we're going to have anything we want in this world, you're going to have to fight for it. It's not just going to happen. You have an adversary called the devil who wants to steal, kill, and destroy. That's his job. That's his job description. He's dishonorable. He's a liar. The Bible says he's even the father of lies. Right? Now, so if I want to release the force of faith, what am I releasing it for? What is my outcome? Well, I hit that with you last week. You have a loaded inheritance, but it's not necessarily on earth. Everything you need is in the heavenly realm. But Jesus said you can access it through prayer communing and conversing, asking and receiving from God. It's not a prayer if you can't ask and receive. Anyway, that's a whole other series, about an eight-week series. But in the unseen realm, everything I need is there. Do you believe an amputee that's a Christian, when they go to heaven, will they still be missing a limb? Why? Because they're going to get a brand new body in heaven, right? So whatever I need is in heaven. So when I asked Jesus, Master, what we must do to pray, he said, what? Hallowed be thy name, which is worshiping him. You can't get anything till you enter his courts with praise and thanksgiving, right? Psalm 99 or 100. And then what? Hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come. Well, guess what? Is his kingdom here yet? Christians, is his kingdom here? Is his kingdom here? Is his kingdom here? You see, that should be, yes! But that shows us where we're at, and it's okay. It just shows me where to locate at. Jesus said, the kingdom of God is near you and even in you now. (laughs) See, he was the kingdom. He brought the kingdom here. And he said, the kingdom is not only here, the kingdom is in you now. That's why Revelation 1 says you are a kingdom of priests and kings. That's why 1 Peter 2, 9, you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people called forth to bring the praises of God out of darkness into His marvelous light. You've been selected. You're chosen. You are here. 
So when I say, is the kingdom of God on the earth? What's the answer? Is the kingdom of God here on the earth? Now, if Jesus said, I pray this, how it be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Where now? Where? Let me ask you a question. Where are you right now? Do you need your house paid off when you're in heaven? Do you need your car paid off when you're in heaven? Do you need healed when you're in heaven? So everything, we, we as Christians, the same way we do hope in the language that is defined in this earth, which is the way we define it as humans, hope is like having some desire that think for things in the future, right? Hope is out there somewhere. Have hope, hoping something happens. Comes to pass. But that's not what hope is. Hope is now just like faith, because faith, now faith is the substance of things that we confidently expect, right? So faith is not a futuristic or a past. It's a now law of God. It's a now spirit, a now principle of God. So as you and I delay our desires, that way we don't have to deal with them. Well, I'm going to lose 20 pounds someday. Okay, I'm going to go and eat my cheeseburger now because I'm going to lose 20 pounds someday. Right? I'm going to get debt-free just right after I buy this new outfit with this MasterCard. And that's your master, that card, right? We're going to have an amazing marriage when I can get her straight or get him straight, right? We're always looking to postpone the pain because no pain, no gain. And it's such a true statement without pain. So what does it mean? Pain means when I come to a threshold, right? Of working my body, working my mind, working a relationship, finance, whatever. So it's a threshold. What, what would we call that? We call it a standard. You won't get through, you won't break a standard that you're in without pain. It takes time. It takes talent. It takes energy. It takes... You will not break through to the level you want to go. Your Whatever your next is and whatever area you want that outcome is, you'll never get there without pain. You can't get it through distraction. Distraction brings discouragement, and discouragement gets you to depart your goal. The only way you can get it is focus, pinpoint focus, and begin to visualize theta and see those things that are not as though they are. Begin to see yourself fit. Begin to see yourself intelligent. Begin to see yourself studied up and prepped up. Begin to see yourself financially free. Begin to see yourself in love. Begin to see yourself loved by others. Begin to see yourself free from the bondages of this world. Well, that's all good. What if I... Look, you might doubt what I'm saying. It would help your day if you just did what I did and didn't put any spiritual stuff to it. But it is all spiritual stuff. Because as you begin to visualize, there's a creative force in you called faith that God created the worlds through his words by faith. And you have a force in you greater than anything around you that can go out into the earth realm and begin to bring those things that are not, they're in the other realm already created into this realm. Can accelerate time, what you're waiting for and putting off and bring it into your now. But you got to see it. You got to get a plan. What if you go bring, build your dream house? You go to a contractor and say, Hey, I'm going to build my dream house. I kind of think it's going to look like this. Here, let me scratch something out for you. And he's on. Can you give me a price on that? I don't know what kind of plumbing and fixtures and size. You can give me the rooms. How many beds? Oh, it's, it's all there. Just, 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 just. Can you give me a price on it? Oh, yeah. And by the way, can you build it for me? They're looking at it. They can build anything, but they can't build anything anything without what you want, right? Whatever standards you set. So you and I have certain standards in our health, our finances, our, our relationship with God and everything. And it's up to us. The only way you're going to break that is through pain. And that happens when you realize that my inheritance is loaded in heaven. Ephesians 1.3 says, Blessed be God, the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ, who has, everybody say has, not will when you get to heaven, has 
blessed us, you know, with most things to help us spiritually. It's Ephesians 1.3, guys, in the notes. You can, there you go. Has done what? Has blessed us what? With every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. Now, this is where the preacher was right. In heavenly places where? In Christ. Everything I need is in Christ. My salvation, my healing, my financial breakthrough, my ministry, my anointing, my calling, healthy relationships. Everything is in Christ, the hope of glory. Glory, doxa, God made visible, God seen. You want to make God seen in your marriage? You want to make God seen in your children and your grandchildren? You want to make God seen in your career? You want to make God seen in your ministry, in your life? 2 Peter 1.3 says, As His divine theos, God-like power, Godhead power, His divine power has, and that word power is the word I was telling you about, dunamis too, has given to us. What? Listen, this is the language. Has. Everybody say has. Given to who? Us. Most things. All. See, I want you to get this guy. Has given us what? All, everybody say all. all, things that do what? That pertain to what? Life and godliness. And other people say, well, let's make a bunch of rules. That's godliness. That's not what godliness is. It's not a bunch of rules. Through what? The knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. So what happens is the more knowledge I have of Christ and understanding of him, what happens? Then I know my inheritance more and I can set my outcomes and I can release my faith, my hope and my faith to bring those things in Christ who's at the right hand of the Father into my now. Hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come where? On earth, where we are, as it is in heaven. Is these sick people in heaven? So that means 1 Peter 2.24 is not as crazy as a lot of preachers like to make it. By his stripes you were healed. Well, it would make sense since I already have access to every spiritual blessing. He's already said it's yours. Is this helping anybody or am I just? So we have access to our heavenly inheritance, but it comes through what? Faith. Everything comes through faith. First, now how do we access it? We got to fight a good fight. First Timothy 6.12 says what? Fight what? The good fight. Not just any, the. This is the only good fight you can fight. The good fight of what? Faith. Now, what is faith? First of all, faith is not in the future. The Holy Spirit made sure we got Hebrews 11.1. Faith is now. Now, faith is the substance of the things. Wait a minute. Ephesians said all things are mine. Now, faith is the substance of what? Things confidently expected. Well, I just prayed and God didn't move. Well, he didn't hear your prayer. Faith is a prayer petition. You make a petition and you got to already have an outcome made in your mind and confidently expect that outcome, to be excited that it's coming to pass, to confidently expect that outcome. Now faith is a substance of what? Things confidently expected, evidence of things not seen. So the way I do this is what I fight what? The good fight of faith. Faith is now. Look at this. Lay hold on eternal life to which you are also called and have confessed the good confessions in the presence of many witnesses. So you've been called into a fight. That's why we got Ephesians 6.12, for you wrestle not against flesh and blood, but principalities and powers of wickedness and evil in high places, right? Well, if you wrestle, you, you wrestle. You ever seen wrestlers' ears? God bless them, man. They all gnarled up and they just wrestle in high school. The ears are gone, right? And, and why is that? Because there's contact. Wrestling is what? A contact sport. Wrestlers are some of the strong, probably the strongest uh, athletes pound for pound in the school, even more than football players. Because they have to be pound for pound, just rocks, right? So, so wrestling is a contact sport. So how are you going to get the things that you, you see, but they're unseen to others into your realm without a wrestling match? 
Well, I just thought, you know, if I had a good attitude and come to church, it'd happen. No, God is prophesying you're in a fight. And then he went on and gave you the weaponry. You had the shield of faith, the helmet of, the, you know, the helmet of salvation, the, shoe, the sandals shod with the gospel of peace. He, he gave you, you know, the, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of the God, right? He gave you what? He gave you weaponry and told you you're in a wrestling match and you think you're just going to kumbaya on and take back what is yours from the devil? He's laughing at you. Oh, but the devil is so mighty and strong. He's not. He's not omniscient. He don't know anything unless you tell him. He's not omnipotent, all-powerful. If he was, he would have kicked God off the throne. If he was all-powerful, he would have already killed all of us. He's not omnipresent because the Bible says he has to go to and fro to accuse the brethren. If he was omnipresent, he'd just be there like Jesus could be omnipresent, right? Holy Spirit's omnipresent. If, if Satan was omnipresent, how, why would he have to go to and fro? But boy, we make him, the Bible says he's, he's, his power is growing dimmer day by day. Why are we so afraid of him? He should be afraid of you. But if you don't know the greatness in you, if you don't know your inheritance and the promises that God has given you, if you don't know the eternal promises, spiritual blessings and gifts that are yours now, that by faith you can access those promises and bring them into earth where you are right now. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So it's up to you. Faith is the master key to change your world. First John 5, 4 says, for whatever is born of God. If you're a Christian, are you born of God? Well, read John 3 and you'll figure it out. You are. You're born again. You're born of God, and now you're one of the, the children. Jesus is the first, the eldest brother, right? Lord and Savior, but he's the first, and we're, we're all those that follow him. We're in his family. We have received his inheritance. Now, for whatever is born of God, which would mean believers, overcomes the world. Hmm. Anybody feel like overcomers in here? Well, that's three of us. We've got some work to do, so... So, so see, if we had a vision for it and saw ourselves, you, you ever seen those little guys, Paul, man, they're about this big, and then they're the meanest, honorest thing. They'll fight anything and, and usually win because they, they believe they're bigger than that dog. You know, you got a little chihuahua trying to fight a German shepherd, right? He's just like, you're like, shut up. You're going to get killed. You're going to get, hey, you're a snack. You're not even lunch. My little chihuahua thinks he's big as that German shepherd. He actually thinks he's bigger. See, if you believed you were an overcomer, you would have been shouting and making just feel sorry for the rest of you all. I got it. So if you don't see yourself as an overcomer, will you overcome? Well, by the grace of the Lord, isn't that our out? Because we give ourselves out. Because we don't want a lot of pain. Just by the grace of the Lord, if it's His will, it'll happen. If it's not, it won't. My goodness, it's like Doris Day, Kumbaya, man. Whatever it will be, will be. If you're 70, you know who that is. So anyway, we live this Kumbaya lifestyle, and you are kings. You are priests. You are chosen. You are royalty. You are kingly in nature. Greater is he who is in you than that silly little financial obligation you're worried about. Greater is he who is in you than that little sickness in your body. But if you see yourself as a chihuahua when you're a German shepherd, then you're going to live like a chihuahua. Yeah, give me, come on, man. Here, my, my little man. Yeah, there you go. He's ready. He's like, I like that. He had his hand up. I'm going to pass a hand up, man. I got somebody in agreement with me. He might be six, but I got even agreement with him. I'll take it, baby. That's why children has greater faith than adults. Shouldn't be that way. We should have learned something by now. You saying I don't have faith? No, I'm not. I don't know what you have. 
You can look a certain way, talk a certain way, even drive a nice vehicle and not have faith. We'll see when the test comes. Something you can't control with your own skills and gift set. Then that, that, that we find out if you have faith. So we've covered what? Faith is a contact sport. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world and is the victory. This is a victory that overcomes the world. Our faith. Everybody say my faith. Now here's where I wanted to get to. Well, let me read it. Romans 8.31 and I'll, I'll get there. Romans 8, 31 and 32. So if we're talking about fighting a good fight of faith and laying hold, right? Laying hold of eternal eternity, which is God is Alpha Omega, the same yesterday, today, and forever. He always was and always is and always will be. Thank you, sir. And if we're doing that, then if I'm laying hold of eternity, I'm laying hold of my inheritance. Just think about that. If I had time to preach to you, I'd preach to you about the prodigal son. The father gave him all of his inheritance. And when he came back in, his brother was mad because the father put his signet ring on, which means he got a whole other dose of the inheritance again. And that really represents God will give you your inheritance now if you have faith to access it. Hmm. So, so look at this, Romans 8, 31, 32, and the NIV says, what then shall we say about these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? The sniffles and migraines. And we're still fighting migraines when God wants you to take territories and neighborhoods. We're still fighting the sniffles and trying to get the doctor to get antibiotic. And God wants you to change and transform economies. Where your focus goes, your energy flows. If you're just trying to get healed of the sniffles and not trying to take a neighborhood for Jesus, then you're going to get healed of the sniffles or get through. But what if you just got 70% of a neighborhood one to Jesus? Wow. So if God be for us, who can be against us? Verse 32. He who did not spare his own son. Now he's giving you the answer. If God, our Heavenly Father, is for us, who can be against us? Says he did not even spare. He paid such a great price for you. Whether you ever came to him or not, he paid such a great price for you. He didn't spare anything because he gave his best. That's more than just some Easter message. He who did not spare his OWN, his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How could God ever be upset with me? I get to heaven. Well, why does the Bible say that your goal is, he says, enter in, my good and faithful servant. Well done. Well done. Enter in, my good and faithful servant. If, if you gave your son for someone and they squandered their life and blew it, would you be happy? Would anyone be happy? See, see, we want to be positive and all that, but we also got to be realistic. And realistic is we don't want to take God off at us, right? We, we, want, to, to, we want his divine approval. And we, we don't only want it here, we want it when we get to heaven. Because the absolute bodies be present with the Lord. So you're going to be in heaven someday, and, and you know your gold and your silver and your houses and all that don't mean anything when you get to heaven. It's what you did with that is what it means. That's just stuff God's letting you have so you can grow the kingdom and live a blessed life here. That, that's not what you need up there. That, it's not even a trinket up there. But everything that is not able to handle his fire, which is his truth, will be burned up and melted away. Every good work you've done, <clears throat> except who did you bring with you? Dalton, who you got with you? Who did you bring with you? And that doesn't mean you're the one out winning everybody to the Lord, but you sow toward it. You give, you pray, you fast, you do whatever you can do to help those people. Because Paul said, some plant, some water, some reap, right? You just got to find your role and run with it. Maybe all three of them. So <clears throat> said, he who did not spare his own son did what? But delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? He's like, how could God keep one thing from you to keep you from being an overcomer? 
He gave his son for you, Miss Gwen. How could he keep one thing from you from walking in joy and peace? How could he hold one thing back just to make you suffer a little bit? How could he hold one healing back, one financial blessing back? How could he hold one influence back? How could he hold one thing back for you since he gave his son for you? But if you don't see yourself that valuable, What kind of results are you going to get? You hear me quote scriptures all the time. You're a chosen generation of royal priesthood of peculiar people. Show forth the praise of the Lamb of God. Call y'all kingdom of darkness and the king of light. You're the head, not the tail. You're above and not beneath. Greater is in you than he is in you. To be by the presence of You know why? Because that's like my life mantra. I keep those in me all the time because that reminds me. It's not about what I'm going through. It reminds me through is important. And the only way I'm going to get through is when that's more real to me than what I'm facing. What if you could get real to you that he spared no expense for you? That's how valuable you are. The Bible says you're not just an overcomer. The Bible says you're what? More than an overcomer. You're the lead overcomers, man. They're to be following you. Oh, man, I wanted to get to why do we need to fight? I ran out of time. So we've been talking about how to fight, right? Why do we need to fight? Let me give you two verses. <clears throat> Can I have 10 minutes or do we need to go? Okay. Deuteronomy says this, Deuteronomy 2.24. Rise, take your journey, and cross over the river Arnon. Arnon. Look. I have given you into his hand, Sion, the Amorite king of Heshbon. I've given him into your, I've given you into his hand and his land. Let us. I have given into your hand this king of Heshbon and his land. I've given it all to you. In other words, lay hold of eternity. Lay hold of your spiritual blessings in heavenly places. And we found out that's in Christ, right? We found out that whatsoever I bind on earth is bound in heaven. Whatsoever I loose on earth is loose in heaven. We found out that we are the ones to be on the offense to kick the gates down when we get through the gates. That's our stuff. We found out that it's a warfare. It's a wrestling match. It's a fight. We found out that the way we access it is what? Fight the good fight of faith. Not hope, faith. <clears throat> hope is the starter, the initiator for your faith. But now he says, look. Everybody say, look. What if you never look? When's the last time you ever looked and saw yourself debt-free? Or are you trying to figure out how to have just enough at retirement? When's the last time you looked and saw yourself healed and strong 100%? When's the last time you ever saw yourself looked and saw yourself loved unconditionally? When's the last time you ever looked at yourself and saw yourself anointed as a king and as a priest? See, if you you don't look, you can't set an outcome. You're going to keep getting what you've been getting or less. Rise up, take your journey, cross over the river, Arnon. Look, I have given it into your hand. Sign, the Amorite king, king of Heshbon, and his land, everything. Begin to possess it. And it didn't say begin to possess it or or if. It says begin to possess it and engage him in battle. You're not going to get what God has put in your hand without a fight. You could even get salvation without the fight of faith. We're saved by grace through faith. Faith is a vehicle that goes into the unseen and brings the unseen into the scene. So it sounds like a paradox. I've given you all this in your hand. Oh, by the way, you got to fight. You got to contend against the opposition or the opposer. It's his. He thinks it's his, but it's not. It's yours. He's just holding it for you. But it's up to you to take it. So I want you to realize you're not at a fairground. You're not at, 
You're not walking around as Christians in a playground. You're in a fight. You're on a battleground. You're warriors. God equipped you. God set you up. God gave his son to pay the price so that you could have the full inheritance of his son and of himself. God has given you everything, every resource in heaven, and he's already put it in the earth realm that you can grab it through faith and use it to pry the devil's hands off of what's yours. So there's an opposition. There's an adversary. 1 Corinthians 16, 9 says what? For a great, Paul said this, for a great and effectual door has opened to me, and there are many adversaries. The greater the door, the greater the devil. The greater the opportunity, the greater the adversaries. Why do you wouldn't like this last time? Well, then you're going to get more if you'll just keep on pushing. It's going to get better. It don't seem better. I started going to that church over there and all hell's broke loose in my life because the devil's trying to suppress you because if you get what I'm saying, you're going to turn him up on the side of his head. So Satan has vowed to stop you. John 10, 10, Jesus said what? Satan comes what? But to steal, kill, and destroy. But I, Jesus, have come to do what? Give life and give life more abundantly. Satan has come to steal, kill, and destroy anything in your life. Don't matter how nice you try to be or how quiet you try to be the quiet kid and maybe the devil will leave you alone. No. He's out to kill you, destroy you, wipe, annihilate you that you never existed. So you might as well fight. Look at your neighbor and say, you might as well fight. And then finally, let me close with this. So he's bound to stop you. First Timothy 1, 18 and 19. Timothy, my son, I'm giving you this command. In keeping with the prophecies, what's made about you? How many of y'all received a prophecy from Prophet Trout when he was here? Amen. How many received a prophecy from me or someone else? Just wait. So prophecies don't dictate your future. Prophecies just give you something to fight for. It just, God gives you a strong hint. This is yours if you'll fight for it. But you got to fight for it. Prophecies don't just happen. You got to fight the good fight of faith and go after your. That's like he told them, "Hey, that king of Anon, his land and everything he has is, but it's in your hand right now. You just don't believe it yet. But if you'll believe it and then fight for it, you're going to see that it's in your hand, and you're going to open it up and have what's yours. So, in keeping with the prophecies once made about you, so that by recalling them, so that stirs my faith when I keep those prophecies and I keep them in front of me. You might what? Fight the battle well. Fight the battle well. Holding on to what? Faith and a good conscience. The way you fight is through faith and a clear conscience that God is the head and not the tail, that God's got this and I'm his, which some have rejected, so have suffered shipwreck with regard to their faith. Wow. You can get great prophecies. You can get great opportunities in life and all that, but you can also be shipwrecked. Because you don't have it until you fight for it, until you access it. And we're going to pray. Let's all stand. 2 Corinthians 3 through 5. I want to read it while you're standing. It says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh, but the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. That word carnal means flesh. But mighty in God, pulling down strongholds. Strongholds of depression and disease and racism and unforgiveness and offense and uh, uh, poverty, spiritual wickedness, principalities. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty, where? In God, for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing. Why do you feel like you got to argue for yourself all the time? You arguing with flesh and blood? Why you waste your time arguing? Why don't you do something for God? Well, I am doing something for God. No, you're just doing something for yourself and you're hurting yourself. Stop arguing and love people. Stop arguing and lead people. Stop arguing and win people. Stop arguing and empower people. And you will win and you will be loved and you will empower Casting down arguments and every high thing what that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. I mean, what if you just went up here and put all these political people stuff up and said, 
here's three categories of three different groups of people. And there's about 10 different groups. They say there's three, right? There's about 10 at least. And anything, you put everything as their thing, and then you just say, okay, is does that exalt itself against the knowledge of God? Is that against God or for God? And then, then you add them and total them up and see what's important and make your vote instead of fighting over it. I don't want to say this. I don't have a problem with you going out house to house, door to door, and encouraging people and answering any questions they have about candidates or wear your signs or put your stickers on your car or flash whatever or do anything like that. I don't have a problem with that. But but I don't want you to get in a situation where you're prejudged because when you post something, you, you, you'll tag someone else and whatever they're saying, it makes it look like you believe everything they believe. You might just believe that one thing they believe and it makes you like you believe everything they believe. And then people judge you and it kills your influence. If you got a serious conversation, talk to somebody like about their vote, which obviously that's the hot topic now coming into the election. Why don't you do it face-to-face in love and answer questions? And if they're not ready to receive, come back another time. But don't, don't just post it or you know, do, I mean, you can, but I want to I ask you, how's that work for you? Not work very good for you. I, I, is anyone in here that, that you've been posting for four or five years political stuff and really sharing your opinion? How's that work for you? And I'm not talking to five or 10. I'm talking to about 90% of us in the room. It doesn't work very well. If you want to make a difference and change votes, then, then go share your heart face-to-face over a cup of coffee or coke knock on a door, serve in a campaign and send out mailers. I don't know. But 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 don't don't get in the argument with the world because you can't win when you argue flesh with flesh. You're just robbing yourself of God's best for your life. You can do, I didn't say you can't, you can, but it's a lower calling. It's up to you. Well, what about this, this country? Well, you know, God's taken care of it so far. Your prayer and your love will do more for it than anything else, and you need to vote. And, and again, I didn't say don't campaign. I didn't say go, don't go knock on doors. I just said be careful what you just put on the Internet because you're, you're turning more away than you're winning, right? Anyway, did that help anybody at all? Did that, is that okay? And I'm not judging anybody. I love every one of you. I'm not putting anybody down and don't say, well, that's what I, that's what she needs. She need to hear that. He need to hear that. Well, we all need to hear that. We all need to hear that, right? So every high thing that exalts itself against what the knowledge of God, bringing every thought and captivity of Christ, the obedience of Christ. If I'm going to say something to someone and I can't bring it under the obedience of Christ, should I say it? If I'm going to post something and I can't post it fully with Christ's endorsement, should I post it? If, if, if I'm going to make a decision that affects someone else in business or in ministry and I and Christ, I can't do it under the obedience and full function of Christ knowing it's His will. Can I do? So the power is coming under the obedience of Christ. The problem is the way we've been trained in church, the obedience of Christ is rules of regulations. Do you wear a dress or not wear a dress? Do, do your hair has to be a certain way? Can you paint the barn or not paint the barn, right? Can you can you have money or not have money or have just a, I, I've got into debate. People will try to argue me about sowing and reaping and stuff like that. And, and I just say, well, you've got a nice career and a nice job and you're pretty well debt-free, but you have an issue with, and you tithe, but you have an issue when I talk about sowing. They come to me, well, you know, that's just, I don't know, it's just too much about money, too much about money. I said, well, how, how much money do you have? Well, that's, <laughs> what, 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 too much about money? Hmm, okay. So, but I, you want to have your money, but you don't want other people to learn the principle to get their money. Well, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying you talk too much about money and then people want too much money and they're never happy. But how much is too much? How much money is too much? So in other words, when I got it, I said, give me an amount. I can't give you an amount. It's different for every person. Oh, it is, huh? You know why it's different to every person? It's different to every one of us according to our belief 
of what we can attain. God is no respecter of persons. There's people who don't have an eighth grade education that are billionaires. You say, you're talking about money. Well, money helps a few things. It helps take care of the house of God. It helps win communities to Christ and nations to Christ. And it helps you and your family and have an inheritance. But it's not just money. It's about anything. Anything you have a limited belief on. I'll never be that healthy. My mom was big bone. I'm big bone. Honey, you, your flesh is not your bone. Can anybody figure that out? This that I need to lose 30 pounds of is not bone. Bone is, I want to grow bone, right? I want more bone. It's not, this 30 pounds I need to get rid of. It's not bone. Can anybody agree with me on that? You see how our arguments, we argue carnally. I'm not smart because I didn't do good on some stupid test. There's people who get 700 on the SAT score and they're billionaires. 700 on the SAT score and they're great inventors have great lives and great families. You're going to let some carnal institution determine whether you're intelligent or not? You're going to let some carnal... And I mean, I have my boys in college. I pay my college stuff every month. Praise God. Hallelujah. One more year for this one. Praise God. In Jesus' name. But, but, but I see the value in it, but I also know they understand how to think and how, what to receive and not see, receive. If I just said, go and find your way, oh my God, let those people shape their minds. They'd be crazy by the time they come home. Let me help you. You're not fighting flesh and blood. You're You're not even fighting an opponent. You're not even really fighting the devil. You're fighting your own belief. And if you see yourself the way God sees you, then you can set God's will for your life. And there's no limits. The only limit you have is in your mind. It's the only limit you have today.